0: Welcome to Reading Between the Reels.
1: I'm Matt Leader, And I'm Craig Dickinson. Today on the show, we have some audio from a special Zoom session we did uh, between my classes and we had a couple guests. We had Aaron Harris from Star Wars Reactions and Thomas Riddle from Imaginary Education. He's one of the co-founders of Adventures in Learning with Indiana Jones and of course, Star Wars in the Classroom. And both these guys were kind enough to to Zoom in, like I said, and, and Share a conversation with our kids, took questions from each of the students in the class, and provided some really interesting responses. So, we hope you enjoy. Morning, Aaron. Hello there. <laughs> hey. So, uh, I've got a little bit different setup today. I've got, we're doing it like, like a con. So, I've got a uh, boom mic here, and then the line, they're just going to come up and ask, they can see you, you can see them, uh, ask a question, and then they're going to circle back through if that if that works
2: love it
0: perfect
1: okay
2: Go ahead.
0: uh do you think jaja binks is a Sith lord
2: <laughs> you know if he is it is the greatest con pulled on fans ever um he's got the potential for it but i just think he is a lovable doofus <laughs>
0: So a question from The Empire Strikes Back. Why do you think Han went back for Luke once when he was missing?
2: Uh, they, have, You know, Luke and Han kind of have a brotherly relationship. And it doesn't matter how long you... Uh, what kind of fights you have or disagreements you have or anything. You're always going to be there for your brother. Um, and I think that's the case with Han. He just knew Luke was in trouble. And even though he had his quarrels and wanted to get away, he uh, had his stuff to do. He put it all on hold just to help Luke. So that's why I think he did.
0: Well, honestly, that also seems like uh, another sign of his character as being more like an anti-hero rather than just like a villain, because like he's opening up to other people. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It very, very well could be. He's, he, Han is more of a reluctant hero. He's somebody who uh, was just doing his everyday job, who just kind of got pulled into the uh, rebellion, not because he was seeking it out, just because of the actions and the path he ended up on. Uh, he, he's very much, he's not the uh, uh, person you would, if you, Lined up a whole bunch of people and said, which one of these is going to be the hero for your movie? He'd probably be one of the last ones you'd go to. Um, but he uh, definitely turned out uh, his character and his traits really ended up being what what they needed. Uh, so he reluctantly became a part of something bigger than himself. Which really goes back to the movie Solo, where, he, where Kira looks at him and tells him that he's, you know, more than what he is currently. He's more than just the smuggler he longs to be. True. Perfect. All
0: right, thanks,
2: Kevin. All
0: right. So what do you think about the first meeting with Anakin and Padme?
2: The first meeting of Anakin and Padme? You know, it was, um, I assume you're referring to the one in the uh, shop on tatooine in yes. Watto's shop um you know it, it was a good introduction to the characters you know it was it was simple it was sweet um it was funny to see little uh jake lloyd hitting on on honor um trying i'm sure he heard that pickup line somewhere from some of the uh some other pilot uh, he's hung around with at some point so I, I just thought it was a real cute scene it was really good it was a nice introduction to to the little Anakin character. And uh, unlike some people, I I really liked him. He kind of, the little guy grew on me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Why do you think the film set is a long time ago?
2: Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Hmm. You know, that's a good question. You know, that's honestly not one I've ever thought about. you know, a, a lot of when George Lucas was developing these stories, a lot of his inspiration came from uh, stories that were being told at that time. And a lot of fairy tales, you know, start off, uh, start off once upon a time, uh, and and so forth. And he just decided, just took it in a different twist of a direction. At that point, um, I don't think there was it was meant to be anything uh, crazy behind it. I I don't know of anything specific as to why you said it a long time ago, but but, but it's not something I've ever even thought about, really, too. That's something I'm going to have to put my brain to to work on and evaluate. Good question. I like that.
0: Thank you. In Revenge of the Sith, how do you think Obi-Wan feels as he duels with Anakin, um, as the duel with Anakin begins?
2: Ooh, good question. You know, it, Kenobi is one of my, one of my favorite characters. And I've, I've really had a journey with that character as, as seeing him grow, not just in the movies, but through the animated series as well through Clone Wars. And Honestly, he did not want to fight Anakin. He doesn't want to. He wants to, tr- he wants Anakin to come home. He wants him to come back to the light side. He, it's, he's a brother. Um, they're, they're family. They're the really the only family each other has known uh, outside of the, uh, when it comes to their everyday life. They were together all the time. They worked together, they fought together, they bled together. Um, so I, I think there was of, there is a very emotional, uh, ter- a lot of emotional turmoil. Let's say in uh, Obi Wan at that time. Not so much Anakin because he's just filled with hate and and he's desperate to save Padme, and he, now he thinks Padme's turned on him. But he is he, Anakin or Obi Wan has this definite emotional turmoil where he's going to do what he has to do to defend the Republic, but at the same point. It's his brother. He doesn't want to. That's why he asked Yoda there earlier to go fight the Sith to go fight uh, Palpatine instead of Anakin, because he can't do it. He, he's his brother. He just can't. So I think there's there's a lot of twists in the emotional uh, state of Obi-Wan, which ends up really breaking him after the duel's over.
0: Uh, um, for the Return of the Jedi, uh, when the Emperor states that uh everything is going according to plan, uh, is it true? And does it go to as planned?
2: Well, I, I think in a, I mean, what 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 is the saying that Obi Wan always said in uh, the original trilogy? What you say is true from a certain point of view. So I, I think from Palpatine's point of view, from the Emperor's point of view, yes. Things were going as he planned As he had foreseen But what he doesn't take into account Is the wild card of uh, Luke uh, turning Vader Which kind of throws his plans In turmoil at that point Right
3: um. mm-hmm. Yeah um,
0: What's the significance Of a lightsaber and not a blaster
2: Oh, it's a more elegant weapon. Hey, Obi-Wan tells you that the beginning of a new hope. Um, even, even uh in Revenge of the Sith, after he shoots uh, Grievous, he's like so uncivilized as he goes walking away and tosses it to the side. So I, I think it's just a matter of uh skill versus uh and elegance. You know, it's be like carrying a... a, a back when uh during the, the days of the French Revolution and stuff, everybody carried their swords, but they also had a flintlock pistol. I mean, they could use a flintlock pistol, but the real win was with the sword, because you can dominate more with the sword, because you have to reload the pistol. You have to make sure you have enough shots. The sword is going to be a little bit more uh, elegant, a little bit more um, durable and long-lasting in the fight.
0: In A New Hope, Han Solo claims that he's in it for the money. Do his actions in the movie show that he was actually in it for the money?
2: I, 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 up until the very end of the movie, yes, I would say they do. Because he, he why else would he infiltrate an Imperial base? Why else would he out, try to outrun Imperial uh, Star Cruisers? Yeah, I would say he was in it for the money up until the very end when he's got the money and it's time for him to go and the battles going on and he realizes, I can't just leave these people behind. So then it becomes more than the money. Thank you.
0: What do you think of the way Han and Leia interact?
2: <laughs> the ultimate love story. Um, you know, they. They are a unique couple, two different, I mean they come from different worlds, different uh upbringings. Um and they the way they quarrel uh and nitpick at each other, it's you know obvious they liked each other from the beginning. So um I think it I I liked I liked how it was written. I liked how they interact, I like how they um how things just worked out for them because it wasn't uh, uh one of those Foregone conclusions that they would end up together, but you know, it was well played and well designed, and I like, um, I like their, I like their little nitpicky at each other, their their little flirtatious side, as you could say.
0: Uh, in the Return of the Jedi, why are the Imperial officers more afraid of the Emperor than Dark Vader?
2: Well, you got to realize most of them probably have never even met the emperor. So you're always going to be a little more nervous about the unknown versus what you know. So they've dealt with Vader. They have encountered Vader. They've been with Vader on the Death Star on this Star Destroyer. Palpatine doesn't really leave the palace that much. So very few people interacted with him or had any kind of dealings with him. So, yeah, they would be a lot more nervous around around the boss uh, coming in. Just like, for example, you would be, um, you get to look at it in a school situation too. Uh, you'd be, you deal with your teacher every day. So you're cool around your teacher. But then if the principal or the school superintendent came in, you really don't know them. So you're going to be a little bit more cautious or on guard. So uh, it's just kind of that situation, authority, unknown authority with unknown expectations.
0: Uh, which do you feel is most important testing a potential Jedi's feelings or abilities?
2: Mm. That is a deep question. Um, You know, with, with the Jedi, they, they always took their younglings at a young age. So they had more time to emotionally control uh, Essentially is what they did emotionally manipulate and control them. So you know, I, I think it's a matter of uh, you can teach skill, but you—it's harder to to have somebody control their emotions. So I think gauging somebody's emotional level is more going to be a little heavier on the testing side than, than their skill, because uh, their skill they can pick up and they can learn and they can hone it. But if you can't control your emotions, you're going to have you're going to struggle and. Be at a higher risk to fall to the dark side.
1: Thanks,
0: um, Why is the Emperor obsessed with Luke taking Darth Vader's
2: place? Well, like like most people, he's looking for the next best thing. You know, he, Anakin, uh, aka Vader, uh, was the strongest Jedi at that point, and he was. Able to move his, uh, the Emperor's agenda along to a certain extent. Now he's got Luke there and he senses that he senses now that Vader is somewhat torn now that he has found his son. But he also feels, can sense that Luke uh, is there teetering on the edge as well. And if he can, can push Luke over the edge, he's got the potential to become an even more valuable asset. Because then he can, tra- Luke's training is limited, but he can train him up more in the ways he wants him to go, uh, as in dark side use.
0: Thank you. If Mace, Windu, and Yoda went into a fight, who would win?
2: <laughs> oh, good lord. Um, wow. Mace Windu versus Yoda, that would be one I'd like to. If Disney ever does a "What If" for Lucasfilm, that's what I need to see. Um, As good as Mace Windu is, you got to go with the nine hundred year old green guy. Uh, He's he just there's just he's just a little there's just something about him and his connection to the Force that I think he would just put him over the top on Windu. It'd be a good fight. It'd be a close fight, but I think I think Yoda would eke it out there at the end. Thank you. You're welcome. Good question, by the way.
1: Um. hi. Uh, hi. Have you ever seen uh, the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars episodes? And do they contribute to the overall story of Star
2: Wars? I love the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars. Stuff. I watch it at least twice a year it's just fun to watch it's hysterical matter of fact my my uh phone has the soundtrack on there and i listen to uh to tatooine every day Um, really yeah my kids my kids love it so we listen to it all the time um it, it it's it just adds a nice comedic element to the to the to the saga. I mean, right. obviously, it's not canon. It runs alongside the canon story, uh, and kind of tries to mimic the canon story. But it, it's it's just fun. It's a nice introduction to uh, Star Wars if you don't know anything about it, but you know Phineas Verb, It's a great way to to uh, dip your toes in and have a good laugh while you're at it. So yeah, yeah. I still, I still want to see him with Vader socks. So,
0: okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, when, when y- Yoda and Obi Wan were uh, talking to each other about uh, Anakin being a
3: Padawan, did Yoda mm-hmm. accept uh, Obi Wan's request because of what uh, Anakin or Darth Vader's uh, decision thirty years later of uh, Darth Sidious?
2: um so so make sure i understand the question correctly does do you do i think yoda kind of regrets that decision or like
0: the question is um did yoda accept uh obi-wan's request to train anakin as a padawan because of his future insight about what anakin would do uh 30 years later
2: gotcha now you know That whole final scene at the end of episode one where where Yoda gives Obi-Wan permission to train him is, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Yoda does not, Yoda does, the council doesn't want Anakin trained and Yoda's on the council. So he agrees with the council. The only reason Yoda let him train Anakin is because he knew Anakin was going to get trained one way or another. Obi-Wan promised Qui-Gon he was going to do it. He said he sensed Qui-Gon's defiance in in uh, Obi-Wan. So he, whether he approved it or not, it was going to happen. And by approving it, he had, he and the council had a say in how he would be trained. So I think it was more of, we don't want to, but just so we can be involved, we're going to let you type of deal. And um, I, I don't think I don't think down the road. He, I mean, it would be an interesting thing to explore whether or not Yoda had any regrets on that. But um, I think over, I think overall, it was a darned if they do, darned if they don't <laughs> type of situation. So, um, thank you. Yeah, good question.
0: Um, in the Empire Strikes Back, what do you think uh, Yoda means when he says? The cave only contains what you take with you.
2: So, the cave scene um, is probably one of the best scenes in, in the saga. The, the, when it comes to that cave, it's going to enter it, inter, the dark side is going to use everything you have to test you to turn you or, and, and everything it takes. So by going in, not he wasn't necessarily I don't think only referring to the lightsaber or his weapons, but he was also referring to what he's taking with him in his mind. Is he emotionally set? Is he focused enough to face the dark side? Like he would be doing in that cave. So I think it was more of a, a broader picture than just the weapons he carries with him is the emotional and mental state that he goes into the cave with because by carrying the weapons you're preparing yourself for the fight if you don't go in unarmed you're not looking for a fight so there's there there's that mental state and emotional state that uh, you have to be prepared when you walk into a situation like that. Okay thank you. You're welcome.
0: If Darth Maul and Darth Vader fought, who do you think would win?
2: Maul or Vader? Um, I would say Vader, hands down. Vader. I like Maul. He's cool. He's got a lot of action, a lot of moves. Um, But you know, Vader, aka Anakin, he just—there was something about him that his skill and his uh, abilities exceeded everybody else. So I think he would he would be the one to take them all down. Okay, thank Besides, you. Obi Wan beat Maul. Anakin, Vader definitely could. Uh,
0: can you sympathize with Anakin?
2: Can I sympathize with Anakin? Absolutely, absolutely. He he doesn't he doesn't go looking to be evil he's looking for ways to save the love of his life he's yeah. lost his mom he held his mom while she was dying he's had the same visions of Padme passing away um and if you expand that further into some of the animated series he has seen he's had a so is his padawan his best his uh training is almost like his little sister walk away from him so there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional damage in his life that's going to keep him clinging to what he has so yeah absolutely i could sympathize with anakin wholeheartedly yeah thanks you're welcome that's nice.
0: question. in revenge of the sith why do you think anakin lost to obi-wan
2: why did anakin lose to obi-wan uh he was overconfident he was way overconfident, Anakin. Um, he thought he could be. Uh, he was unbeatable. He thought he was um, better than everybody else, and and he was in a lot of ways. He was a lot stronger, a lot more skilled. Um, even Obi Wan tells him earlier in the movie, you know, "You've you've become a better Jedi than I have ever been." But at the same point, you know, overconfidence can be a weakness. And that's what happens to Anakin. In this case, he was overconfident in his abilities, uh, even though Obi Wan had the high ground, he was confident he could overcome that. And it cost him two arms, uh, two arms and two legs.
0: <laughs>
2: Thank you. You
0: Why can't the Jedi tell who Darth Sidious Sidious is?
2: Oh, good question. And actually, I just just read an article uh, article on that. Um, It's actually it really doesn't talk about what, why they couldn't detect them in the show or in the movies, but uh, in Legends, it's well discussed and in the extended universe where the Jedi temple is on Coruscant, was built over a dark side temple. So a Sith temple. So it they put temple on top of it to quell the dark side, but over time they got, they just got lazy. <laughs> they, got, they just came to, used to their ways and it just slowly eked back and overpowered them. And he was able to slip in and become more than And become hide in that uh, dark side darkness around them. Um, Pretty much the pretty and pretty pretty much hid him away. Pretty much the way Yoda hid from everybody when he went in hiding on Dagobah. He had the dark the dark side cave that was so strong that kind of hid his presence from the rest of the uh, the from the rest of the Sith. So I think that's why they never could find him. Because they he was right under their nose, but they couldn't detect the dark side because they were already surrounded by the dark side. So, Aaron, I want to respect your time. Do you have time for for one more question? Bring it on. Okay. Um,
3: why is the film called The Phantom Menace?
2: Why is the film called The Phantom Menace? Because the menace is in the background the whole time, pulling the strings. Palpatine, he's in the ba- he's in the background. He's pulling the strings. He's orchestrating what's happening, and nobody sees it. Nobody knows it's, what's going on. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows that he is pulling the strings to a master plan that uh, ultimately we see fulfilled at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Okay, Aaron, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today.
2: No, really enjoyed it?
1: Anytime. All right. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Thank you. Talk to you later, buddy. Take care. You do. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Craig. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Can you hear us? Yeah, that's perfect. Great. Great. yeah, so we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a kind of convention style. We got them them lined up, and we got they'll come up to the mic and ask yeah. a question. We did just one round already, uh, so okay. they're they know the protocol. They're ready to, to to go ahead and go through that if that sounds good to you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's jump. Cool.
0: What do you notice about the way Jedi's are portrayed in the film?
3: Oh wow! Which film?
0: Uh, The Phantom's Menace.
3: The Phantom Menace. Well, they are really portrayed. Uh, we see them here really for the first time uh, at the peak of their power. And they um, we see them as the galactic peace, peacekeepers that they are. And they are, um, you know, one thing that strikes me about the Jedi and Phantom Menace is that you're starting to get the, the sense that they are, um mm, I don't wanna say arrogant, but very confident uh, that they, um, they really are self-assured. And that really is uh, what we see later in the film is a detriment because they, they are so confident in their abilities at this point and that everything is under control that this phantom menace has snuck right under the surface, right underneath their noses um, and really infiltrated them. And they never even saw it coming. Uh, that's one reason I really like at the in um, Revenge of the Sith when Yoda, you know, pretty much says, you know, we we have failed. How could we let this happen? And it's just right here, and he says, "I was so blind." And that's really what happens when we let our um, when we become too sure of ourselves, we do get blinded to our weaknesses, and so we need others to be around to kind of point out our blind spots. But I love seeing the Jedi though, when they're really at the peak of their power and just how, um, you know, imagine what it was like during the old, uh, really the old Republic. So great question.
0: Thank you. Um, in attack of clones, why do you think it was a bad idea to give Anakin the assignment
3: to protect Padme? Oh wow! So that that's almost like the um, um, the hen. It's an old saying, an old farm saying. It's like letting the hen guard the chicken coop, uh, because you know you know exactly what or hen goodness, (laughs) letting the fox guard the chicken coop. uh, Sorry, um, because you know exactly what that fox is going to do with with those hens in there. Um, And of course, if you recall whose idea was it to have Padme guarded by Anakin, it was the Chancellor's. And he knew exactly what he was doing. He was trying to put those two together. He already sensed that there was this attraction uh, that Anakin had to Padme. And that's exactly what he wanted to have happen. Uh, This was his long-term plan, I believe. And so it wasn't really um, a great idea because uh, it just really gave those two time to be by themselves and, uh, kind of fall in love. And, you know, the, the Jedi aren't supposed to have any, um, any, um, uh, relate, I don't say relationships, of course they have relationships, but any kind of attraction to, um, um, being tied to someone. And so, uh, it was all Palpatine's plan and we saw that. So it was not a very good idea, Because you got two young people uh, that kind of attracted to each other and send them out somewhere together, you know what's gonna happen. So um, that's a great question. But Palpatine completely staged that one. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, What do you think would happen if Luke turned to the dark side?
3: Oh, wow. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to turn that question back to you and ask you, what do you think would happen? But um, what? do you have an opinion? No. <laughs> oh, come on. So I, I think what would have happened um, is it would have been a very short, very short film series. <laughs> and it would have, uh, we would have lost all that struggle, perhaps. But if Luke had turned the dark side, I guess... Part of that is also at what point um, he, he would have done so. But I think it would have been devastating for himself, of course, first of all, because he would have turned his back on everything that he believed in. Um, and that's really uh, when we see the, the greatest tragedies in stories is when a hero um, or a character turns their back on things that they really hold dear to be true. So, um, I think you know, we see that that's what happened to Anakin and it took this love of his son to, and the, and the belief of his son in Anakin to bring him back. But I think, man, that would have been bad. It, it, if, uh, if, if Luke would have, or Vader would have been able to turn Luke, then you would have had, uh, a double, a, a doubly evil force on the, um, Released unleashed on the galaxy. But it's interesting, though, because there can only be one Sith ruler. So if if Luke would have gone to the dark side, uh, then that meant that he and his father would have been struggling for ultimate power together. So his, even then, his father was using him, just using his power uh, because, um, you know, the, this, the rule of rule of one. Um, and Luke would have eventually tried to kill his father. Um, There is a really cool story in a comic series called um, Dark Empire um, that Dark Horse put out back in the 90s that actually had Luke um, turning to the dark side so that he could learn the power of the dark side to use against the emperor. And in that storyline, Palpatine had actually been reborn um, as, as a clone. And we saw some of that in The Rise of Skywalker but not to the effect that, that it was in, um, in the Dark Empire comic series. And Luke in that, it was very interesting. He, he pledged himself to the emperor and learned the ways the dark side to make the emperor feel like he was going to uh, join him. But his ultimate plan was to... Use those powers against the emperor himself. So, uh, we have seen that before in a non-canon story, um, but yeah, I think it would have been bad news for the, for the galaxy had that happen. Yeah, thank you.
0: So, do you think Star Wars would be as successful as it is if the Phantom Menace was the first Star Wars movie to be released?
3: Oh man, what a great question. Um, I think it depends on when it was released had that movie been released in 1977 um, with it, again, it would, it would those special effects um, and the creatures and all of that. I think it still would have been um, a very popular movie worldwide because part of the appeal besides the story uh, of a new hope episode four is, you know, all the 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 whiz bang of the of the special effects and the creature cantina and things we'd never seen before on screen, um, you know that that was part of the appeal. Besides just you know the, the greatest appeal being the story, but you know um, as as far as the story itself goes, I don't know if that story could have could have stood on its own legs um, as a movie without. So us knowing some of what was going to be coming uh, ahead. Um, There are times when that movie really drags, when it gets, it's kind of slow. And it's kind of sometimes people have, some people have have accused it of being boring in parts. You know, it's it's too much talk about politics and and economics. And that was important to the storyline. But, um, you know, I think that um, our attention had already been grabbed in the greater story by episodes four five and six and so we would be okay as as participants and listening to the story people were okay i think for most most part and seeing a, a slower part of that grand tale so i think i think it would have been successful but not like not to the level of um episode four of a new hope so
0: Less it kind of ruins the reveal of Darth Vader being Luke's father because, like, if <laughs> yeah. this three were released, then we would already know Anakin is Darth Vader and he is Luke's father. So it would completely ruin it.
3: I, I, you know what? I completely, I uh, completely agree with you on that. Um, you know, and that would have that was a great gotcha moment in the history of film uh, where people were shocked. You know, I was 11 years old in 1980. And I saw Star Wars, the first one, in theaters in 1977 when I was eight. And as an 11-year-old boy, I remember my mind was just like, I was like in a spin because I loved Luke Skywalker. I loved those stories and those characters and all. And then I remember talking with my mom and dad on the way home. Vader's lying. He's not really his dad. He's just trying to trick him to join him you know so there was a lot of people that were like that there was conversations is he really dad his dad or not so you're that's a great point you're right it would it would have ruined that part of the story um if uh we've known from the beginning that uh, that little boy was going to grow up to be darth vader sure. Hey thanks
0: What's your opinion on how Jar Jar Binks is portrayed in Attack of the Clone Wars?
3: Oh, Attack of the Clones? Yeah, sorry. Oh, you know, I got to try to remember Jar Jar in Attack of the Clones. Um, You know, I think Jar Jar as a character all the way around. I think he played the role that he was meant to play. Uh, Lucas put him in um for kind of that slapstick humor um and kind of comic relief to a story in phantom menace that was really like we were just talking about kind of dry in places and so you had this humor Lucas himself even said that Jar Jar was really for the kids you know um I I've had this conversation with my sons who my sons are now I have three and, and they're 28 24 and 23 and they grew up watching Star Wars movies and stuff with me and and, and one of them in particular uh, my middle son Nick who's 24 is a, is a really really big fan of just all films and and uh, and storytelling in general And you know Jar Jar was um, he, he understood because we talked about this later uh he was just he was little when phantom menace came out um and so he saw jar jar as jar jar was designed to be he was a little kid seeing this goofy character right and he thought he was funny um and he kind of pulled for jar jar um especially in that battle scene in, in phantom menace when he's just you know he's accidentally doing everything right he's blowing tanks up and all this and and it's um, it's kind of funny. That's what Lucas put him in there for. And then we see Jar Jar mature in Attack of the Clones, and then into Revenge of the Sith, mature as a character, and where he's kind of taking on some responsibility uh, with Padme, and even you know being her stand-in in the Senate. Um, so I, a lot of people had problems with Jar Jar. I never had a real problem with Jar Jar. Uh, I think he he played the role he was supposed to uh, as the, the innocent fool uh, kind of in storytelling, and um, I think it makes it that much more tragic when we see uh, Palpatine um, really, again, put Jar Jar into place for that critical vote in Revenge of the Sith um, to have his his vote cast in the Senate to arm you know, or create this Clone Army, which is not something that Padme wanted to do, and again, it was Palpatine pulling the strings behind the scenes. But Jar Jar is thinking that he's doing what is the right thing. So, um, I, I liked him as a character. I think that he was portrayed just like Lucas wanted him to be portrayed, and I think we had a, a lot of adult fanboys and girls who were trying to project, you know, their own opinions as adults onto. Um, a character that was really designed for kids. So it's a good question though, great question.
0: Thank you. Do you think Padme has really been in love with Anakin the whole time or do you think she's just reacting
2: to the death sentence?
3: Oh, wow. That's a good question too. Craig, these kids are knocking it out of the park, guys. Wow, these are great questions. Um, Do I think she's really in love? In Phantom Menace, I think she was, she kind of, um, of course, they were super young, right? And so in Phantom Menace, I think she was that almost role of big sister, babysitter type, you know, towards her when she makes that little or he makes a little thing for her, but, you know, she's trying to take care of him because he's all, he's all frightened and everything. Um, and again, he was just like nine years old and, and she's just a few years older. And so now I think they're just like, she felt this kind of protection towards him, but, you know, as you, as you grow older, um, and you spend more time with people, especially if you already have this kind of connection, um, with someone from a younger age that you, you mean, they knew each other as kids. You know, I have friends that are adults that, that are married and have been married a long time. And they first knew each other when they were in elementary school, they weren't like little boyfriend and girlfriend or anything, but later in life, they, they kind of knew each other all through school. And then at some point they were like, Oh, well, you know, Hey, I, I kind of like you, you know, and then from there kind of, they begin to fall in love. So I don't think from the beginning there was that. I think that um, she did by Attack of the Clones. I think um, she saw Anakin had grown into this handsome young man. Um, she, by what we can tell, lived in kind of isolation from other other people. Uh, much of her life in, in isolation, in relationship, you know, I don't think she had much experience with the relationship at all either. I mean, she talked about this one little boy, one young, one young man um, in Attack of the Clones with Anakin about, you know, she kind of had a crush on this guy or, or, or whatever. And Anakin kind of you know, got kind of jealous. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think she didn't have much experience with all that either. And so I think she just kind of fell hell over, head over heels for this um, for this handsome young man. And I think she kind of, they really fell into it, or she fell into it. Uh, I think he had a crush for her on her from a, for a long, long time, um, until it just, you know, it really became, then became an obsession. And that's what, again, I think Palpatine wanted, because he knew that if he became obsessed with, an, uh, with um, a with something, a commitment, you know, to. Um, attachment that's the word i'm looking for i think that if palpatine could get him to become attached to padme then he could take that away or even threaten uh that loss and then it's going to send anakin into a spiral which exactly it did so so yeah good question
0: thank you why do you think the jedi forbid attachment
3: hmm go back and see the answer i just gave (laughs) because I, i think um no i think that's i think that's the reason um but let me give you a better answer than that um the jedi were created to be sort of these warrior monk types okay so somebody who was dedicated who had dedicated their life to focusing on their their faith um and their their commitment to serving others, much like um, a priest, a modern day uh, priest or, um, uh, or or Buddhist monk, you know, there's monks of any type of of religion, and that was the inspiration for the Jedi for, for Lucas, is that there were these kind of um, there were these excuse me guys I'm at work and turn that down, um, they had to be dedicated. Uh, They had to dedicate their life to the singular mission of serving other people and studying their faith to become more adept at it, become more powerful. And so if you were to become attached to something, then that's going to um, distract you from your mission at hand. Um, You know, this really goes back to to Buddhist teachings and which um, attachment is is looked down upon. Okay. Um, that, you know, um, because if you are attached to something too much, uh, then you can develop a fear of losing that and fear. Um, well, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, right? That's what Yoda Yoda said. And so, um, this, this, um, Teaching of where you can't be attached to something, I believe, was, was well-intentioned because it's almost like um, preventing you from being set up for being hurt. But if you can't experience hurt and loss and struggle, then you can't serve other people as well. Who are struggling with those same things. So I think there's a, you know, if I don't have experience in overcoming attachment that way, or being able to live with that, um, and being okay at taking that risk risk that I can still be committed to serving other people to my faith, but yet also um, have love for something or someone, um, a deep love of something or someone, I think that's more That is more powerful when you can balance the two. So I think it was well-intentioned, but they didn't. I think they were trying to, one, keep focus on what you're doing, your mission at hand, which is serving other people in the force. And then the other part of that is just if you become too attached to something, then you're going to uh, be tempted by the dark side When when you suffer pain and fear. And that's where you know Yoda says fear leads to leads to suffering. So that's um that's a great question too. I, I love every one of these. You guys ought to write a book.
0: Um who do you think has a better partnership, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or Darth Sidious and Darth Maul? Hmm. Sidious and Maul? Yeah. Or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan?
3: Well, I think obviously, well, obviously I shouldn't say that because it's my opinion, I think Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, um, I don't think the Sith have great partnerships. And the reason being is because there's always a power struggle. Because within that, that Sith um, teaching, there's going to be always a threat that someone, the master is going to try to overthrow the apprentice. And with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, uh, excuse me, this, the apprentice is going to try to overthrow the master. But with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, the apprentice is trying to learn as much as he can from the master and honor the master. Um, and, if he be, and if he becomes more powerful than the master, well, that's actually something the master would want um, to be a better Jedi than he is. You know, I'm a dad of, uh, like I said, of three boys, and I've told my boys throughout their life, I want you to be a better man than I am. I want to be a great man for you, uh, that you can, you know, that you can learn something from. But I want you to be a better, better husband, better, better father, better man than I am because that's my goal. I want you. To, I, I want that much for you. Um, the Sith don't have that. There's jealousy, there's anger, there's rage, a really a lot of jealousy. And so there's not this whole thing of like, yeah, I, w- I want you to be better than me because then you'll kill me. No, I, I want to be the most powerful of all. And that's a very selfish approach. That's selfish. And so I think that um, I, 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 we don't see a selfish bone in Qui Gon's body revealed. Um, he is always wanting. To serve, and so, um, yeah, I think I think those those two Obi Wan and Qui Gon had a much better relationship than Maul and, and Sidious. Maul and Sidious their their relationship was was built on um, on control and not trust. And control um, is is never going to build a strong relationship. Trust will. Thank
0: you. Good question. Uh, do droids play an important role in the Star Wars universe?
3: Oh, man. I thought you were going to say do droids dream or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. It is different franchise. Yes. Um, so they play an incredible role in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. and I like the fact you asked that question because you really get back to the heart of something that Lucas was, was um, thinking about when he wrote the original star Wars uh, script. Um, Because at that time, Lucas was uh, really kind of telling a story about the dangers of technology, that technology can be used for great good, but it's also very dangerous. Um, And, And in particular, when he's writing the story in the early 70s, you know, we're coming out of the Vietnam War. We're still in the Vietnam War. Uh, We have the atomic bomb. We have the hydrogen bomb. Um, And so we have the ability using technology to absolutely wipe out the Earth. And that's something that's very powerful and very dangerous. But at the same time, Lucas saw that technology could be used for good. Um, And so the, the droids are symbols of that. That that struggle, the Death Star is that that symbol of technology used to destroy. The droids are really used as a symbol of technology that can help, that can be beneficial. And so the great thing about what Lucas is saying, he's been asked about this before about technology, his thoughts on technology is that, you know, technology is by itself is harmless. It's how we choose to use it. And so I think that um, uh, the droids play a very vital role. I do like the way that uh, Lucas used the uh, R2 and 3PO in the story because they were um, seen to be kind of like lower class citizens, second class citizens. Um, And they end up playing a huge role throughout the throughout the story. And so that is intentional also, and that the little guy, the seemingly insignificant person has a very important part to play in the grand scheme of things. So great question. Yeah. So Thomas,
1: I want to respect your time and we're almost at the end yep. of the period. So I just want to say, thank you so much for joining us today. It was, it was a great time. And I, I love hearing your insights every time we do this.
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's always an honor to participate and glad I could make it work. And uh, I really appreciate it guys. Thanks so much for your questions. And um uh, that made my day. So yeah. hey, we need we need to chat soon. Yes, definitely. Hey, have a great Happy. day. See you too.
0: So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail or use the speakpipe app on our website.
1: And if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on your favorite podcast catcher. We'd love to hear your feedback. It really helps us get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group. It's a safe place to share your thoughts and discuss all things related to movies.